The Paul Leslie Hour, helping people tell their stories. And now, your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. On this episode of the Paul Leslie Hour, we're presenting an interview that I did with Cyril Amey. And there's a lot of artists that ever since they first presented their art to the world, they're continuing to influence people. Think about Louis Armstrong, Frank Sinatra, in the visual art world, Pablo Picasso or Van Gogh. For Cyrilla May, the artist that most influenced her was Django Reinhardt, the jazz guitarist, the gypsy jazz guitarist. And Cyrilla May is a French-born lady. If you haven't heard her recordings, they are worth checking out. She is quite a vocalist, quite an artist overall. And her website, it's surrealmusic.com. And with no further ado, let's get into the interview. I want to welcome our special guest. She's a jazz musician, Cyril M.A. Thanks so much for spending time with us. Thank you, Bob. So where are you at this moment? In my living room in uh, Sunset Park in Brooklyn. Do you like living in New York? Yeah, I do. But I'm moving in November. Oh, yeah? Where are you moving to? I'm moving to New Orleans. Oh, wow. Well, <laughs> you'll fit in right, fit in perfectly there. <laughs> yeah, I think so, too. So, for our, all of our listeners out there, tell us a little bit about where you're from. I'm from uh, next to Paris. Outside of Paris. And mm-hmm. what's the name of the village? It's called Samoa. It's next to Fontainebleau. It's a very small town, so people don't really know the, the name. Yeah. What kind of an atmosphere was the town you were from? What what kind of an environment was that? Well, like a little French village, you know? Like with cobblestones and in the forest and the river, kind of like like you see in the French movies. <laughs> yeah, and tell us a little bit about your parents. Uh, my father is French; he's from Paris, and my mother is from Dominican Republic. And uh, they love to they love to dance. <laughs> I can tell a lot about my parents, but. I won't tell everything. <laughs> <laughs> Did they always encourage you in terms of you pursuing music? Yeah, um, they were, they wanted, I mean, my father especially wanted me to pass the baccalaureate before, before anything. So he was focused on the school. And, uh, but then they, he saw that, you know, music is what I absolutely wanted to do, so. Now they're okay. What has always been the purpose with the art that you create? I just want to have fun, basically. It's the one most important thing when I when I make music. I want the people to I want to make people smile and make the people happy and have a good time. Who would you say are the singers that have influenced you the most? The first one 
uh, was Michael Jackson. My mom, she was obsessed with Michael Jackson and she would record a tape every live concert that uh, was uh, on the TV. And then we would uh, sit in front of the TV and try to make the moves, the dance moves with, with my sister. And um, so she was my very first idol. And then I later when I started singing, I discovered Ella Fitzgerald and she totally blew me away. So she was my second biggest influence. And then I came to uh, to America and I discovered Billie Holiday and Nancy Wilson and Sarah Vaughan and Dina Washington and, and Chad Baker and a lot of great singers that I love. You've mentioned a lot of singers there. What about singers of today? Are you someone who's looking for music? Yeah, all the time. So you check out a lot of things. Yeah, I love this French singer. She's not very famous here, but her name is Leila Martial. She's one of my favorites. I love Becca Stevens. I love Hyatus Coyote. I love um, Liana La Havas. I love a lot of a lot of music. <laughs> what about the instrumentalists that you enjoy the most? The ones that I enjoy the most, I get to play with them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my my bandmates, they're really phenomenal. Adrien Magnard and Michael Valianu on the guitar. They're some of my favorite instrumentalists. Joe Fram, great saxophone player, who I have had the chance to to play with many times. Yeah, I mean, there's so many amazing people in New York, and I know there are many in New Orleans as well, and I'm excited to discover that. What is it about New Orleans that is calling you? Just a, a different kind of energy. I've been in New York for almost 10 years, and um, it's the longest I've been in one place. My parents, ever since we were little, we moved a lot. And I feel like I need a little change you know, to get some new inspiration and uh, get step out of my comfort zone and build uh, some some new uh, relationships and discover new things and feel new things and hear new things and taste new things. It's going to be exciting, I'm sure. Yeah. I wanted to talk a little bit about Django and the influence right. he's had. How did you come to discover his music? Uh, well, in, in Samoa, in the, the festival, the, in the town, there's a festival every year, a Django Reinhardt festival, because he used to live there. And so that's where I first heard the music. At first, I didn't really care about the music, because I had heard it since I was little at the festival. But then when I, I became friends with the gypsies, because Django was a gypsy, and, and his family and hundreds of other gypsies come somewhat during the period of the festival and so I became friends with them and when I started hanging out with them I I started to understand their music and that's how I really got into the Django music. Is there a recording of Django Reinhardt that means the most to you? Oh there are many but I think one of my favorite is Manoir de Merez in the Blue Star Sessions where he plays a electric and he does a really, really moving solo. 
Has the reason that you make music changed through the years? No, the reason no. The the way yes, but the reason is always for me just I just want to you know put some joy in people's hearts, and that has not changed. You said that the way had changed. What did you mean by that? Well, the way uh, the way I make music, I it's different than when I was sixteen. Thank God, <laughs> but uh, but uh, yeah, I'm I go along with with the changes that happen in my life and in within me, and that that changes my music. So I'm not the same person, and I'm not going to make the same music throughout the years. And I, I I'm, I'll always be looking for my sound and who I am through music and and as soon as I will find it it'll change and so I'll have to keep looking. Do you think of music as a brotherhood? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like I said, I play with my favorite musicians because because it's not just their music that I love, it's their personality that comes through their music. And you know, the more we play together, the more we become a a family and we can read each other's thoughts. And with music, you know, you, you transcend every language barrier. You can go to the other side of the world, go to a jam session and meet musicians that you cannot communicate with because you don't speak the same language. But as soon as you say, take the A train in B flat, they know what you mean and you can communicate on the music. With that said... Do you have any, in terms of other singers, do you have any competitiveness? No. No, because that's not, that's not what, what we all strive for. The better, the way to grow musically is to learn from everyone. And so my favorite singers are, I learn a lot from them and and I love to see them grow and to see what 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 else they will bring to the table and what new things they come up with. We're talking with Cyril Amey. Who taught you the most about music? There's not one person in particular. I've learned a lot from a lot of people, and I think for me the most important lesson I've had in music is to be in the present moment and I think my, my parents taught me that. My parents are really positive people and they love to discover new things. They love to travel. They love all kinds of food. They love to throw parties and, and they love to laugh. I think that everything is connected and that's a good lesson in life and therefore a good lesson in music. Yeah. Well. Wow. What is the biggest compliment someone has paid you? I would say, I would say it's uh, that I sound like no one else. Is that something that you strive for? Is originality? Uh, no, I just I try to be myself as much as possible. And when I hear that there's no one else, that's myself. That's nice to hear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is there anyone out there that you have wanted to share a stage with or record with that you haven't yet? Yeah, I would have loved to to jam with Bobby McFerrin. 
Bobby McFerrin. Yeah, I think that would be really fun. What is it about Bobby McFerrin that, that draws you in? Well, I mean, his instrument. His instrument is incredible, and he can go anywhere. And I like to, I'd like to do that, to just step on a stage with him and not know what we're going to do, not prepare anything, and see what happens. And because I do that a lot with my bandmates, I do that a lot with bass players, with guitar players, with piano players, not knowing what's going to happen, not rehearsing. But I've never done it with just a vocalist and I. And I think he would be the one to do it with. From all the universal themes that seem to run through music, love being the most prevalent, but also death, the meaning of life, religion, what topic would you say has dominated your music? Yeah, I think love. Love, definitely. Love not just for another person, but love for for life and for beauty and for being alive. This is a very difficult question, I'm sure. If you had to pick one recording of yours to represent what you do, which one would you pick? Well, yeah, that's difficult because I've done a lot of different things. Um, I would say a song that I wrote called Nuit Blanche. Because it's, it's a French song, and I scat on it. Yeah, it's different. Do you like the recording studio? Yeah, I love it. I love it. It's very different than than the stage, you know. You have to be very meticulous and every single thing has to be perfect because it's going to be there forever. And uh, it's like a magnifying glass. But it's a different set of skills and it's another challenge and I, I love it. Would you say that you liked live performance more or the recording studio? They're both, I love them both. They're just totally different. You can't really compare. You can't say, I like this one or that one better. It's totally different, you know. On the In the studio, you get to hear yourself really well, and you get to kind of like craft a perfect uh, sculpture, a perfect uh, snapshot of what happens live, but you just, every detail is uh, is thought out, and and you want it to be perfect. Whereas on the stage, you don't want it to be perfect. You want it to be in the moment, and you take in the energy of the audience. And as soon as the moment is gone, it's gone. It's not there forever. So they're both very different concepts. Do you think that it's important for an artist to be self-critical? Yeah, of course. It's important, but to a certain limit. For me, I'm I'm not self-critical when I'm when I'm on stage when I'm on stage I'm really completely free and open and I don't really I don't think but when I when I write I'm too self-critical and that's where I need to be less self-critical so that I can let the ideas come out without judging them so there is a definitely a limit to being self-critical what is it you think about the songwriting that makes you more hard on yourself? Well, kind of like what I said about 
studio versus versus the stage is that you know you have to you write you write a song and you you find some chords and then you have to pick a melody and then you have to stick with it and say okay that'll be the melody and I'm so used to improvising melodies on the spot all the time when I perform when I'm improvising that for me to pick one seems crazy because there's so many options and so if I pick one then I'm thinking is it the best one or is there a better one out there should I try and usually the the first one you come up with is the best one hmm. but then your mind comes and in between you and instinct and just tries to tell you otherwise so it can be difficult what do you do to get inspired to write I don't really have a, a method I just the best way is to have time you know and and silence and and it's difficult when you're someone who's on the road all the time yeah the the best time is either a song just comes to me and I can't help but write it but if I want to decide okay I'll write a song I need to be in in a peaceful state of mind. So you were saying you have to kind of make things quiet. You like to get yeah. get peaceful. Yeah. What kind of things inspire you? Nature inspires me a lot. I wrote uh, several songs while riding my bike through the forest in France. And people, people inspire me. People, The people I love, the people that are close to me and, uh, you know, feelings and emotions, that inspires me. And the world. What's it like for you after a performance and somebody comes up to you and they start praising you or they start telling you what the performance meant to you? It makes me happy. <laughs> it's, I like it. It's kind of surreal. Because you know when you when you play music you're you don't you don't realize that I mean you, you can see that people are there listening but you don't realize the impact that you have. You're just you're almost in your own world and then when you come out of the stage and you talk to the people that's when you it kinda hits you that there were people there listening and and they, they heard everything and they and it moved them, and it's really rewarding. It's uh, Even if you're exhausted after the show, the energy still lingers on, and it feels beautiful to, to hear that. It's, it's surreal because, you know, every time you think, wow, that's, that's my job. <laughs> mm -hmm. And just make people happy and make people cry and make people smile, and, and that's what I'm paid to do. <laughs> You've released uh, pretty much an album every year, whether a live album or a studio album. What is the album project that you want to release that you haven't yet? Oh, I have so many projects, Paul, that I, I, I wish I had more than one life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are many, many ideas, many things on my my project list and uh, I guess I just I'll just have to do one at a time because if I want to do everything then I go crazy mm -hmm. um, 
So right now I just want to write songs, you know, then I'll, I'll dress them up later. I don't know what kind of sound I want. I don't know what kind of band. I just know I want to write songs and until I have enough to, until I have more than enough. Are you someone who is more moved or more touched by lyrics or melody? Um, both touch me, but when I choose a song, or the lyrics are the most important to me because the lyrics are written and I can't change them if I sing them. I have to I have to pick lyrics that I believe in. Whereas the melody, I can always you can do whatever you want with the melody, with the chords, with the rhythm. You can, you know, it's called an arrangement. So for me, the lyrics are the, the most important thing. A lot of people, when they see a singer or a musician, they see the glamorous side of that life. But they don't see everything. What do you think people yeah. don't see about being an artist? Well, I mean, when when artists are on tour, all the people see is that one hour and a half where they're making music. And they're up on the stage and they're wearing nice clothes and, you know, but they don't see the, the rest, uh, the other 22 hours where we're just traveling and traveling and traveling and waiting and checking into a different hotel every night. And that's a lot of work. That's, that drains you. And the concert is what gives us the energy to, to do all of that. It's all worth it for that one hour of music. But, you know, not being home ever, not sleeping in your own bed, that's very, that's the work part. The road. It seems like the road is just very grueling. Yeah, I, it's, it's difficult, especially in the United States, because the distances are so big that from one gig to the next, all you do is travel. Mm-hmm. And just getting from point A to point B, and then all you see is the venue, the airport, and the hotel, and the hotel just for sleeping. Yeah, it's tiring, and the food on the road is not great, and for a Frenchie, it can be kind of depressing sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wanted to get in just a little bit into food. You're someone who, you have traveled around quite a lot. Where have you had the best food? Um, I think I would say it's my my trip to India. I went there for a month, and I couldn't believe the food. It has nothing to do with the food that you find in Indian restaurants here. It's incredible, and uh, yeah, I loved. I love that trip for the food. What is the best thing about being Cyril and May? <laughs> uh, uh, I I don't know. Just being alive, I guess. Same for everybody. <laughs> In closing, our listeners are all over the place. What would you say to anyone who's listening in? Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening. Thank you for taking the time. And thank you for taking the time. I want everyone to check out the website. It's surrealmusic.com. That's spelled C-Y-R-E.
I L L E. I really appreciate you calling in. Thank you, Paul. All right. Have a good day. Thank you. You too. Bye. The Paul Leslie Hour is hosted, produced, and written by Paul Leslie for Lifestyles Entertainment and Media. The Paul Leslie theme song composed, recorded, and produced by Jeff Pike. Outro music composed, recorded, and produced by John Goodwin, originally appearing in the short film Malukas and Vulnerable Jelly Things. Please consider subscribing to the Paul Leslie Hour, and if you like us, give us a review. It'll help other people to find this content. All past interviews are also available on YouTube. For more information, you can visit thepaulleslie.com and be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at The Paul Leslie. Thanks for listening. Be good.